This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And welcome again to New Cottage Talk. I'm Russ Coleman. Joining me right now is Max Cohen and Dan Crawford from the Green Pole Podcast and HammyN.com. This episode, we're going to be looking back at Fulham's victory against Everton at Goodison Park. Three in a row at Goodison Park. That feels good, guys. And uh, I look forward to going through the show with my two co-hosts here. Dan was actually at the match, so we're going to have firsthand information on what he watched and Max and I watched the match, so uh, we have a lot to talk about. But before we do anything else, let's welcome everyone on to the show. First, Mr. Cohen, how you doing, my friend? Doing great. You know, we were just on the green pole a week or so ago, and now That's we're right. in college talk. So it's, it's great to have Dan on. Always good to be with you, Russ. Yeah, can we play Goodison every week? That's my question. <laughs> That's great, my friend. It's funny because so many years of just terrible – results at Goodison Park. Now we have three in a row. It's, it's fantastic. Dan, that must have made you very happy. Like I said, three in a row. How are you doing? Well, I feel like I aged about 75 years during the second half of that match. And the first half wasn't, <laughs> wasn't any better. No, definitely not. Um, but yeah, look, uh, delighted to get a result. Um, I, I see that Max is already trying to get make my season ticket absolutely redundant by moving all the matches to Merseyside. So. Always nice to be thought of so highly by your friend. Um, but yeah, delighted to be to be with you discussing the, the Fulham's first opening day win in the Premier League since twenty thirteen, lads. I mean it's it, fantastic. It like, get out the cry on. Where's the uh, where where's the ticker? Come on. Get me in get me a nice colour. Oh, he did it, but not quite like that. Anyway, over to you, right. Okay, well, Max, I'll go to you first. I'm glad that Dan mentioned this because if you just watched the first half and you didn't continue, you would have thought Fulham might have ended up losing 2 or 3-0. I think that's safe to say, right? So just give me your opening thoughts on what you watched. Like I said, very bad first half. Substitutions made a difference in the second half. And Fulham got all three points, and that's the bottom line, right? 100%. I mean, this is something we've seen with Silva teams. You know, we outperform the expected goals. We outperform the stats. You know, it's we're not necessarily a team 
that is naive anymore. And that's what separates this Silva team from any other team we've seen in the Premier League in the past decade with Fulham is that we're streetwise now. We never would have gotten a result like this in any of our relegation seasons in the past. I mean, let's be clear. We were the worst team. Everton should have won this match. I think that's clear to say. They had the better opportunities, hit the post, open goal missed. Yes, Jimenez hit the post for us, but we were lucky. And Leno played a fantastic match. We're clinical. And we were resolute when it mattered. And we rode our luck. As Dan said, it it was a nervy end to the match. Sure. First half. We got the three points. Um, so I'm just I'm just glad that was the result. But overall, looking at the performance, not very encouraging, in my opinion. And I think the signing of Charoe is welcome because at times in this match, we were missing that final ball, that final burst of pace, that explosiveness that we had last year at times. It didn't really seem to be there. It was a bit more pedestrian. Um, okay. So end of the day, we got, we got the win. Okay. Before I go to Dan, I'm going to disagree with you. We're going to have our first disagreement. I think it's encouraging, not discouraging. Because when you are not at your best, when you do not have your best performance and you find a way to win, we'll talk about smash and grab coming up next because I want to talk about the subject matter, smash and grab. But I don't care if that's a smash and grab. They got all three points. They found a way to win. Good teams do this, Max. As I said in my five takeaways yesterday, that's a mark, a hallmark of a good team, finding a way to win, not having your best, not basically playing your best, finding a way to win. That's the way I look at it. I agree with you. The performance, obviously not the greatest. Everton had a better performance, but who walks away with all three points? Fulham do. You can call it lucky, but I think you create your own luck. Over to you, Mr. Dan Crawford. How you doing? Boy, I just, uh, Goldman there. How you doing? I wonder what you were going to call me there, Russ. I mean, you can give me a new surname if you want. Um, Got a little tongue-tied there. Call me whatever you want. That's absolutely fine. Please, by all means, if the listeners want to tweet in with what my surname should be, um, (laughs) they're very welcome to to help you out there. Um, We'll call that a little senior moment, shall we? Um, Yes, we could do that. Back on the the subject matter, I'll actually disagree with both of you. I had a rather spirited argument with seemingly everybody who I walked back with from Goodison Park because I didn't think Everton were especially good. I mean, they had some chances for sure, but um, as we've learned in our last spell in the Premier League, painful though it is to recall that, um, you don't win games unless you score goals. But also you don't score goals regularly without playing quality football. And while Everton had the chances in the first half, they didn't play great football. I would posit to both of you that, yep. um, that uh, yeah, I mean, black, white and red. Everton would have won if they finished their chances, but they didn't. I mean, that's true. But, you know, um, I, I would submit to you that Everton's chances had a lot more to do with sort of some very shaky defending. It looked like totally agree. Some of our players were as drunk as some of the people who I met up with prior to the match. Um, you know, uh, Tim Ream looked a bit rusty. He was much better in the second half, but always that matchup against Neil Mope uh, for both of our centre halves is going to be a problem. And the system that we play with the fullbacks going, you know, so far forward, they're in another city, um, does kind of leave you without Palina. You know, things can happen, like what happened in the first minute with Tim 
trying to play that pass that he's played a hundred times before and it bouncing back and suddenly you're not going to back a 30-something against Mope. Fortunately, that guy can't finish his dinner. Um, so so that, that that's useful. Um, and we ground it out. You know, on another day, a couple of those crosses would have got to Jimenez. I thought Jimenez was starved of service. I thought you could have taken any one of the front four off at half-time. Silver hooked William, which I think was fair enough. Right. And, you know, I will bow to no one in my love of Bobby Deckard over because he does what Bobby Deckard over does. But, you know, we fought hard. Um, and I thought Reed and Lukic were um, pedestrian is the right word in the first. They weren't up with the pace. And what Deutsch did was he just picked as many midfielders as he, as he could. I know. And he packed the midfield. And we couldn't get through the midfield. And we couldn't work out what to do when they all came charging at us in unison. But since none of them knew where the goal was, this was less of a problem than it could otherwise have been. And obviously, we have Super Cup Leno in goal. Yes. And, you know, I mean, Arsenal have done it again this this season. They've got a good goalkeeper. Although I, I, I would say to you, Leno is a better goalkeeper than Ramsdale. And um, certainly, the man Joe Bryan beat twice at Wembley. Um, but, you know, what do I know? Uh, we've got Bernd Leno, and we got him for a, for a snip. And, uh, you know, some of those saves, particularly, actually, I thought the one in the second half, which we'll probably get onto, yep. um, it was woven, was an excellent save. And then, you know, Nathan Patterson was very generous on the follow-up. Thank you very much. I did think a lot of these Everton players were preparing to play for Fulham later in their careers with the quality of their finishing. But, we scored a magnificent goal, and yeah, it's meant to be opening thoughts, so I'll shut up. Okay, no problem, Dan. All right. I'm actually going to share some comments, and then I'll go over to you, Max, get your thoughts on these comments. This is from our friend Wayne Walden. Hi, Russ. I'd just like to say that we did not deserve to win against a very good Everton side, but Leno was our savior against Fulham. The counter to that is our friend Chris Goodwin. There's only one stat that counts, the full-time score, so... Chris's on... uh, uh, avatar rather gives him away there, I think. Oh, yes. He's a Liverpool supporter. He's a Liverpool supporter. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I don't know if I agree with Dan per se because, you know, yeah, were they playing great football? No. It's a Sean Dyche team. I don't think anyone said they were playing great football or would have done, but they were all over us. And I think that while they weren't, you know, blowing us away with the style, they created chance after chance after chance. And just let's go through the chances in the first half. I mean, Decore just kind of walked. Timmy made a big slip. I need a five-hour podcast, but go ahead. Timmy made a big <laughs> slip like, like Gerard, and he was through. And Decore's through. <laughs> that, that, that should have been a goal. I mean, Awobi is just getting free. Well, on the left wing, Kenny Tete, as you said, Dan, yep. was in a different zip code, different area code, not not even in the match. Um, and Awobi, every time they broke, it looked dangerous. Um, I mean, second half, you had the Patterson open goal, which is a huge, huge chance. And Mope had, you know, a tree of shots in that first half. So, whereas we had did nothing in the first half. I don't think we had a single attempt on goal in the no, first we half didn't. at all. So, that's kind of when I was basing it off, you know, Everton played better than us because they did because we offered nothing. In the um, first half. Right. In the first half. Yeah, second half, it, it changed a bit. And what I was the better team in the second a, half, Max? We could still a massive credit. All right, let him, let him carry on. I'm just winding okay. up. Let him carry on. Come on. Yeah, still have a massive credit for the subs because – you know, I think in a different world, he starts Mitro, he start, starts Pereira, he starts Reed, and 
that same first half happens for whatever reason. We don't have the impact to bring off the bench, but I think he knew they, you know, Mitro and Pereira for sure weren't fully fit and you can give them that boost and, and the boost worked to perfection. And I, I love that double switch, very attacking intent and all, you know, those all three subs combined for that goal. Okay. Very good. I'm going to share this comment from my friend, Steve Reynolds. Poor first half rim was bad, but Tete had a nightmare. Could have been three nil down. We won't get that lucky again. Steve, you create your own luck. I disagree with you on that. Dan, your thoughts on Steve's comment here? Well, he's not wrong. I mean, and I would say Max isn't wrong either. I, I just sort of looked at it. That Everton team is very functional. What I would say to you is if you, if they had Dominic Calvert-Lewin, then it could easily have been three or four. But the, the thing about Awobi is he gets into really good positions, but he doesn't really, um, for, for, the, for the quality, for the potential that he has, he hasn't delivered enough. You know, and I would say, look, Everton did create good chances, but it wasn't like they were, they, they, they created some chances early on for our own ineptitude, and they had a little spell 10 minutes to go before half-time, right. and, and you had the, the, the disallowed goal as well, which they all got very exercised about. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that. But it was more for me, you know, a Fulham team playing the kind of football that we've seen them play um, should be dealing with, with that. There were some issues, you know, Green, I was surprised that, I was not surprised that Silver selected Green because I thought he would do. Right. But Green is clearly, as we say in England, short of a gallop when you're talking about a horse, right? He hasn't had enough game time, actual competitive football, because he looked a little... Um, uh, he looks less reassuring than, than he would normally, understandably, if he hasn't played a full 90 minutes. Uh, Diop sometimes looks like he's sort of stepped off another planet to participate in the matches. And again, he got much better um, in, in in the second half. One of your commenters was talking about Tete. It's interesting. Yeah. I thought that was a real Jekyll and Hyde performance from, from Tete. Yeah, Stephen Murray there, you put it on the screen. Real Jekyll and Hyde performance from Tete in the first half. I was like, where's Kenny Tetto? What, 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 why is he not there? In the second half, he was going down the right wing. He was there. Um, and Jedi even had some nervy moments. He did. And then matured to play that. I, I do wonder that Jedi benefits from the defensive insurance of having Deckard Overeem there, knowing that he can go and Deckard Overeem will cover. I mean, that was very evident in the second half. But the most telling part, part was, you know, as the Fulham fans were singing, yesterday to the tune of an old uh, Britpop song Lukic in the middle of our pitch Lukic making goals for Mitrovic um, I think it's very good actually um, but Lukic didn't necessarily start the game in the in the kind of assert he was trying to tackle for sure but he didn't grip the game in the way that Polina would have done and I think he's not a number six he's more a number ten right rather than even a number eight but in the second half he was holding the ball utilising it better. And I think the silver got into them and we played more football. We showed Everton a bit too much respect in the first half. You know, we were ponderous. It was like me trying to run after a heavy night out or even not after a heavy night out, as you both know. You know, um, not good. But uh, I think it was a bit of Jekyll and Hyde. And I'm encouraged by the fact, as you, both of you said, good teams grind out results, right? Exactly. We played much better than that at Goodison Park and got hammered three or four. 
right? But, and I've seen them all, right? So you've kind of seen this movie before, but to see Fulham fight through it and win, I mean, wow. I mean, that that's a real fillet when you, when you consider... Because I was talking to somebody on the way to the ground and they were very downbeat about it. They were like, well, we've got Everton, then we've got Brentford, then we've got Arsenal, then we've got Manchester City. We might have no points after four games. And I was like, oh, for goodness sake, Clive, if, you don't, if you're not believing in this team, what's the point in coming all this way? Um, and, yeah, look, it's a great result because it sets us up really nicely to have a go at the uh, the, the, uh, the, the Hounslow mob who are um, playing at the moment. And they're not winning. Um, so that's good. Okay. I have a talking point that I actually mentioned on my show. Dan, I'll give you first crack this because you watched it, and then Max and I can talk about this. Because when you look at the performance, and I know the performance wasn't great. How much did Fulham miss Jao Polina? I think they missed him a lot, Dan. Well, I mean, what other sort of questions are you going to ask me? Is the Pope Catholic? Do fans <laughs> go to the toilet in the woods? Um, okay, Dan. Okay. You know. I mean, how much did Fulham miss Polina? You know, this much and more. You know, there's like a gaping hole where Polina would have been. And I do think he's important because he sits in front of those centre-backs. Right. He becomes a third centre-back when sort of... Because Diop was taking... The other thing about the first half, Diop, both Diop and Ream would take the ball forward up to the halfway line and beyond. And then they'd have nobody to pass it to like they'll wait because all of Everton's midfield dropped back into a low, what do you call it, a low block now? Um, you know, you had their sort of very um, agricultural centre-backs. And, like, they sort of had an idea of how Fulham were going to play. And there wasn't much movement. You know, Wilson seemed permanently stuck on the right flank in the first half. I don't know whether that was, like, contractually obligated. Um, but he didn't seem to move very much. And we, we, but we miss Polina for the simple thing that you can't replace Polina. You know, we talked about this. The two of you, you know, I remember doing a podcast with with Max earlier in the summer, and we were sort of speculating about how much Polina was doing. Well, you know, write down anything that Max says and quadruple it because, you know, you're not going <laughs> to find another player like Polina. Just not. He's too good, and it's almost harsh comparing the rest of our midfielders to Polina. Because he's one of a kind. He is, Dan. And I want to go to Max. I want to get his thoughts. We've had this discussion before, Max. But when we're talking about the performance, when you're talking about how bad the defense looked, right, the loss of Polina is glaring. It is. And I think the the best tactical analysis was what Dan said at the beginning, right, was that when Tete and Robinson go forward, Paulina dropping back gives that security. And without him, we missed it massively, you know? So that I thought was, was a big miss because it made Tete's forward four ways look even more risky just because Lukic stepping back there isn't the same security blanket as Paulinia. Um, and on, on that front, you know, was that the best timed shoulder injury of all time? You could argue like, right. because now he's not in the shop window. He's not in the shop window at all. And if he's been playing well, I think, you know, I mean, look at the silly money that what Chelsea are playing for Caicedo. Oh, it's insane. I, I mean, imagine if they knew Jao Polina was a couple 
blocks down the road. I mean, they would well, they know, and they've decided not to not to go in, not to put any money on the table. I mean, is that stupid or you know? I'm happy, but he's injured, so I, I wouldn't buy an injured player for for, for silly money. Yeah, so. they've done this when he before he was injured. So I mean, the the, the, yeah. the, the really good thing is Polina's injury is not severe, and he'll be training. He trained last week. Right. He trained this week. With a fair win, he's likely to be available for the game next weekend. I hope um, so. And that, therefore, is... Well, we all hope so. But it becomes, you know, when, when he went down and I was watching the game in a bar with no commentary, because, you know, English, some English bars play hip-hop music instead of the commentary of these matches. And you can imagine how much that infuriated me because I was like, oh, my God, you know, this was almost worse than my... You know, my friend's kids having an accident. It's like Jao Polina has gone down red alert. Um, it's not, by the way, I apologize. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like the, the, the saving grace is, as Max says, yes, he's out of the shop window, but I'm not too bothered because people have to show the money big star for, uh, in, in this window. I mean, I'll, I'll go as far as to say, we sell Polina in the remainder of the transport and they'll be looking for a new coat. Um, so, yeah. The, the key is that he's he's likely to be available in Cranford. So we won't need to miss him that much. But the astute tactical thing to do, and I'll keep saying this, is when there's no cleaner, just put Reed where he used to play. Right. And you know, I mean it's glaringly obvious, but it's not how Marco Silva, you know, it's almost anathema to Marco Silva to have a player who simply is a stopper, a la Kevin McDonald, Billy Bremner, Tyler Adams. Um, you know, I was going to say McKenny, but it doesn't seem to be what McKenny used to do. Um, you know, it's someone who's simply in the team to break up the opposition to attack. It's not what uh, Silk does. Okay, very good. All right, guys, let's move on. One more topic, and then we'll really get into breaking down this match. And uh, I want to talk about this match being called the Smash and Grab. Now, I agree with it, okay? But I think, Dan, your thoughts, I think Smash and Grab sometimes has a negative light put on it i actually think a smash and grab is not a terrible thing it's actually a good thing because it shows you found a way to win this is a smash and grab okay but what are your thoughts about this being called the smash and grab and some think of it as a negative well i think like yeah um much of football analysis is reductive right i mean i've i've read at least seven of the match reports in the national papers here and Fulham have got little column inches about that big. You know, we're just about to get a mention of the goal, and it's sort of scruffily tucked away at the bottom. Of, you know, Bobby Duckett over, he tapped in the winner. And that's it. You know, because the big story is, oh, Everton look really bad. Or, you know, Sean Dyche wants X, Y, and Z, and he hasn't got it, and there you go. That's fine. Now, actually, I don't have a problem with Fulham sort of smashing, grabbing it, or, you know, grinding out a victory or stealing it in any way, shape or form. Because there was a time when you watched the, the Silver and the Yukanovic teams and thought, well, the only way we can win is if we're allowed to play the kind of football right. championship that Silver wants to play. And we struggled against teams who stopped us from playing. Everton very effectively stopped us from playing. And there's no, you know, they are allowed to do that. I did wonder what sort of Stuart Atwell, but I did wonder what Stuart Atwell was smoking on a number of occasions. Because once again, William got booked, 
Tete got booked for time wasting. Yeah. Marco got booked for I don't know. I told him he has to swear at the referee in Portuguese or, or Spanish or some other language, right? Um, but he, like, you know, they obviously and, and no Everton player seemingly could do anything anything wrong. Um, and you have to find a way to win. Professional sport is right. about winning. I mean, that might be anathema to put a football club because we never win anything. But you do want to try and win, and it doesn't matter because. At the end of the day, look in the newspaper. What does it say? Everton nil, Fulham one. This isn't. That's right. This isn't ice skating. You don't get marks for artistic <laughs> impression, right? You know, in the Olympics where they get those judges together and they rate. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yep. You know, there are there are lots of sports where it's not just about what you do. It's also about how you do it. Football isn't one of them, right? There are contrasting styles, and sometimes you can't. Play because there is another team there. I mean, we could have not been on the pitch for most of the game, and Everton probably still wouldn't have scored, right? <laughs> because they were having one of those days. And the most important thing is that we found, we found another way to win. Exactly. You know, like we are going to have to grind out results because we're not at the level of a sort of top six, top eight team that's just able to play football all the time and has two. 11s that are just going to play remarkably sexy football and thank you very much. But unfortunately, we're not there yet. We will be in time if we stick with Marco Silva and Mr. Khan keeps being exceptionally generous with his billions. We can get there. But at the moment, not so much. So you have to, uh, uh, and, you know, the absolute joy and carnage experienced on various modes of transport yesterday um, following Fulham's victory. Nobody cares. Like, you know, I would take a scruffy 1 0 win. Every week, if it meant that we could, you know, win the league, be marvelous. Of you know, course. Um, so, I, I, yeah, everyone gets all sort of wouldn't it be nice to play better football? Well, sure. I mean, there's lots of things I would like. And anyway, I'll let Max talk. He's okay. Max, I want to go to you, get your thoughts on the topic of smash and grab. The reason why I brought this up and I had it in my five takeaways is that I'm big when you win a match, you win, right? We could talk about the performance we could talk about the negative parts of it, but in the end you won. So I think when you say smash and grab, I think it has this negative light towards it. Whereas I see it as a positive as Dan said, it's finding a way to win. I don't like marginalizing victories. I think when you lose, you rip your team all the way you want to rip them. When you win, I have a hard time doing it as much. You can criticize, but in this case, I think smash and grab, is what it was, but I think that's a positive. I think it's even more satisfying at times to have well, a there you go. Wow. It was there funny. It was funny that Everton had chance after chance after chance after <laughs> chance and couldn't get a single goal. How many times have we seen Fulham in that situation? Yeah, it was amusing. And I think Everton as a football club is an amusing just entity. Um, you know, proud history, you know, never been relegated from the Premier League been run to the ground in recent years. I mean, remember that Hamas Rodriguez and Ancelotti as their manager and I did they just sign all these like luxury players and now they've and then they always revert back to what? Mid Allardyce and Sean Dyche now and it, it it's they're funny. It's a funny club and they've had a terrible run of it recently. And for once we can be on the other end of a kind of laughing stock, right? Right. Um, for so long it's it's been us, right, Russ you said having all the chances can't finish. Over reliance right. on one player, you know. There, Calvert-Lewin, ours could be considered as Mitrovic in the past. Um, and, and here we are, you know, 
on on the right side of the joke. And and that's why I love the smash and grab because we didn't really deserve it. But as we've talked plenty already, it doesn't matter who deserves it. It matters who wins. Exactly. That's the bottom line. Who won the match? I listened to a ton of commentary from the Everton perspective, and I can just tell you that it was all about Maupe. It was all about Deitch. In fact, I call. I saw that uh, I listened to Maupe continually on this podcast being referred to as Moped, which I kind of thought was kind of funny. But, uh, <laughs> but in the end, I understand that they're focusing on Everton, but we should be focusing on Fulham. We should be focusing on what Fulham did. They found a way to win, and that to me is the bottom line. Okay, guys, let's get to talking about this match. Before we do, let's talk about the starting 11. I'll get us going on this before I go to you, Dan. And uh, I actually was surprised. I know you said you weren't surprised that Calvin Bassey didn't start. You thought Ream would start. I think this was a mistake by Silva. That's just my opinion. I know why he did it. Continuity with playing up at Goodison Park. But uh, I thought Calvin Bassey should have started, Dan. That was really my number one criticism here. I was okay with Raul starting. I was fine with that. I could have gone with Mitro as well. But the one that stood out for me was Tim Ream starting, Dan. Yeah, I mean, I, look, uh, it's hard to call him a slug because we've got a clean sheet. Maybe it was more by luck than, than judgment. But, you know, maybe you were never a centre-half. Like, we prized those clean sheets. Like, you know, in, uh, I don't know, Olympic gold medals when you're a Fulham defender. They're, they're very valuable. Um, and, and I'll just say this is something Silver's done. And he's very serious about it. When you've proven that you can... Um, be a serious key player in the team. You get the shirt on, and Calvin Bassey is yet to prove. He's yet to play a Premier League game. You know he's had a good pre-season. He looks like a good defender. But who's the guy who's been there and done it all of last season? Right? Who's battle hardened? Who knows exactly how Silver wants to play? Now maybe it was a gap. Maybe it was a gamble because Ream had had significantly less football than he would have liked. And let me tell you. There's no one more disappointed about that than, than Tim Ream. He wanted to be out there playing a lot more. He felt, you know, there was no need to be quite so cautious in respect of his um, game time. I think that came through on his own book post. I don't know if the pair of you have been listening to that uh, over the summer. Some really interesting um, conversations uh, with some of his film colleagues, with Andreas Pereira and um, Anthony Robinson, well worth, well worth checking out. Um, but he got a clean sheet. I mean, the, the bits that the ones that I was surprised about, um, I had an inkling that he was likely to be around him. And as, and you know, he nearly scored, didn't do very much. Didn't get, we didn't get him the ball. That's the thing we didn't talk about very much in our extended preamble. Didn't get him the ball in the area. Right. But when he did, he nearly improvised a really good finish. Very unlucky. The ball was behind him, twiddled on it. That, you know, that on another day, that hits the post and goes in. And that was his last touch. The one that interested me was Kearney in the 10, as opposed to some of the other options. And I think that um, Black, White and Fred, who might need to change his name, uh, now, um, although it might be his name rather than the player we were about to sign, allegedly. Uh, I don't know. We'll educate me. We'll in a minute. Um, but uh, Kearney and Jimenez looked a little bit samey in terms of pace. They were yep. both occupying similar, similar parts of the pitch. 
and Jimenez is a is a live one. He can he can do things, but Kenny looks short of a gallop as well. Okay. Um, so it was interesting, but we got there in the end, and that's the beauty of it. I think Max referenced it. Why? How refreshing is it that we had substitutes who could change the game when it wasn't going at nil nil? Not it's a point. It's a wonderful point. Look at the brain on Max, I'll say, because he actually brought up a very good point. Max, here I am criticizing the starting 11. We could talk about Kearney as well. But we did have a strong bench, and that did change the game. So maybe there was a method to the madness. Yeah, I think it actually makes more sense for the way match like that in some respects to play it closer, tighter for the first 60 minutes and bring on the big guns after the fact to get that kind of impact because – I don't think the other way around we would have had those impact subs, right? But yeah, Kearney I think is the one I want to focus on because we haven't talked about him at all actually until now. Right. I felt for him a little bit, you know. I mean, listen, he start, got the cop, captain's armband, primarily start of the season. This is this is what he wants, and he just wasn't his day, you know, off the pace. This is. I don't think he played very poorly, but he didn't quite make the impact Kearney would have wanted to. There was just one instance in the first half in the attacking third. He just mistimed the pass and we could have really kicked on and he kind of I know what you're talking about yeah situation it was just kind of it just wasn't his day um but just taking a step back Tom Kearney I mean it's August 2023 he captained Fulham the first game of the Premier League season that is an amazing achievement for Kearney how many times have we been on the show talking about what's Kearney's future will he ever come back from injury will he ever re- revisit the forum we saw in let's say 2017 right and I just think personally for him I was delighted that he started delighted for the club captain because oftentimes it didn't look like it, it, it would really kick off for him at Fulham at the top flight. Um, and he right. even had that hamstring injury, you know, what, two weeks ago in DC at the match. And, you know, I fear for him. So glad to see him play, but I wager we won't see him start many matches this season. Okay. Great stuff. Talking about the starting 11. All right. Coming up next. Talk about the second half of the show. We're going to break down the match. We'll end with Man of the Match. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, guys, let's get to it. Let's do our first half analysis. And uh, Mr. Crawford, I'll go to you first. I could talk about all the great chances that Everton had, but it's not an Everton show. But the big point I want to talk about in the first half, obviously, is the play of Burnt Leno and made save after save. Keep him... Everton at bay. I'll be talking separately about the disallowed goal, but just give me your thoughts on what you watched at Goodison Park. It was a, as you mentioned, a, a poor first half of Fulham, but Burn Leno was the difference here. Yeah, there's probably only two Fulham goalkeeping 
performances that, that come to mind in the, certainly in the Premier League era that I can remember where this was as good as that are comparable really um, Mark Crossley at Newcastle where he saved everything well Crossley he did let him go but, um, and Edwin van der Sar where he saved everything thanks to uh, Highbury in 2003 um, but let look Leno just gives you so much confidence like even the most now even the most routine of um, saves you you, you think maybe you have a chance. I mean, that one, the one where I thought Mope was offside, he was like literally two or three yards from the goal line. I don't know, you know, Reem certainly thought he was offside, although maybe it was one of those different, one of those things that I used to do as a friend, to put your arm up for an offside when you know you've let your man go. But that looked like a very, you know, that was a ridiculous piece of goalkeeping. Uh, and obviously there's the one that Max mentioned earlier where Decoro, it seemed odd that Decore was Everton's prime attacking midfield because he went straight to all goal and I was like, oh my goodness. And, uh, was he playing more of a second striker in this? I can't really know. I, 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 look, look, I'm just glad that you know there will be someone somewhere whose job it is just to break down what on earth <laughs> Everton were doing. You know? And uh, I think Sean Dyche had a number of players that he wanted to get in the team for athleticism. Um and the ball unfortunately fell to the core a few times in and around the edge of the box. But then I, the saves are excellent, but I would mention just a couple of other things that you get perhaps from being at the game. He resonates confidence, he radiates confidence. So the defenders were passing the ball into a tight spot where two attackers are running down with him because he can utilise the ball with his feet. He'll come and claim the ball, which we'll talk about right. uh, shortly. Um, but also, he'll distribute the ball well with his feet, with his hands. And he's a leader. You hear him, even when we're uh, quite loud, as we were yesterday. You can hear him shouting at the defenders uh, and the rest of anyone, really, that matters. So, for where they have to stand at set pieces, um, what's this guy? You know, frequently after the ball's gone wide, he's, he's making a gesture to something about where they, they could have been. And it's that leadership that we that's so important um, as well as the, the, the goalkeeper. Okay. Over to you, Max. Your thoughts on Leno's performance. We're just focusing on the first half. And Dan brings up some good points about his leadership helping the defense. Your thoughts? I, yeah, spot on. I mean, everything was just completely accurate from Dan. People in the comments are saying this. Colin Bugler, $8 million for Leno, still don't seem real. One of the best signings of recent memory. I mean, there, there are almost no words for how lucky we got in, in many sense, but also we did great business. Let's, let me not diminish what we did. Yeah. But, I mean, he, in my opinion, would walk into any top six side in the goalkeeping position on this form. And I think I saw a stat somewhere. I don't, I'm not a big XG guy, but it said that he saved 3.3 XG last it's some crazy match number. I've seen that. Le- he's, he's one of the best keepers in the league. And he doesn't get talked about enough because he plays at Fulham. No. But if, if that's Ederson or De Gea or, I don't know, uh, Allison, that, that's all over the papers. As, as, and, and Dan made a great point about the, the coverage, right, is everything is about 
you know, Everton were, were wasteful and, you know, another season they're overly reliant on Calvert-Lewin and Dyche didn't get his signings in. Burton Leno had an amazing match. He Against a, a lesser keeper, I think Everton are 2-3 two, three. And that's not the up. story. That's no. not the story. It should no. be the story, Leno right? Should be, Leno should be in the headline and instead it's yep. about Dyche and Everton and, and that's just the way it is and that's fine. But what a player. What a great player. And um, I don't know if you guys saw the pronunciation guy on Twitter when he's like, I saw that. It's Baron Leno, right? He's, he's funny. He's funny. You know, he's yeah. good, good banter. So yeah, I, I've I actually him. changed how I say it now because I saw that. So very good. Well, funny well, for a German. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I knew Dan, you were going to say gonna... that, Dan. I knew you were going to crack that. that <laughs> Dan, I'm going to come right back to you because now we're going to talk about the controversy or as say in England controversy about the disallowed goal. Now, what's interesting here, I've watched some commentary from over here in America. I listened to a bunch of Everton podcasts and talk on it, and they were adamant that this goal should have counted. Dan, you were there. Your thoughts on the disallowed goal? Yeah, it happened right in front of me. Um, well, not right in front of me. It's like on the pitch, but you know, I had a fairly, about as good a view as you could get, because I was in line with where Leno went to claim the ball. He claims the ball. There's contact with the defender, or Tchaikovsky, and then the ball is on the floor. Now, but, you know, it used to infuriate me for years that goalkeepers didn't get got caught this protection. But it's the world we live in. And I think I've referenced it a couple of times in all of the Excellent. Um, um, I've referenced it a couple of times in conversations with, with both of you. The Premier League still allows people to get away with an awful lot in terms of contact on goalkeepers that just wouldn't happen in continental competition um, across, across Europe. Right? Leno comes against the ball. Tarkowski does that thing that Harry Kane does very effectively, where I won't be in the Premier League anymore, um, making a back for, a, for an opposing player and standing his ground. Uh, and the thing that people miss is that Michael King puts it in the goal. The Michael King, I think it is. And uh, he would have been offside. And there's a suspicion of handball as well. So, okay, even if, you, you know, what would you like to, uh, what would you like to hit, hit his arm as well? That was the, yeah, that was the other, that was the other part. So what would you like the goal to be disallowed for? Could be for the foul of the goalkeeper. If you don't think it's foul of the goalkeeper, well, maybe Stuart Atwell wouldn't have disallowed it for handball because we know He's, uh, he's not keen on penalising Hamilton, um, but you know, surely there would have been a consideration of offside. Therefore, if you're, if you're having to sort of get three things to go your way for it to go in the goal, then maybe it should be this one. Okay, interesting from Dan, who was there. Great analysis, Max. What are your thoughts about all this? Yeah, I mean, there's really not much to add after that. Uh, I thought the clear thing was a handball. If I'm being honest, I don't think it was a foul on Leno. I just don't. I think in the world we live in, that's so weak. And that's, I, th- I think Leno was the only mistake he made all match, I think, was not really coming down with that properly. I thought Tarkovsky didn't do anything wrong. Other, I mean, it hit his hand. That's, that's infringement, but I don't think he fouled right. him. I think Leno's jumping and, and he, made the, he made a meal of it. Um, and then the offside thing, great. Yeah, I wouldn't have counted anyway. But it, it was very funny 
uh, to to hear all the all the Everton fans. I'm sure it's better in person. I w- I'd love to hear Dana to say about being at Goodison and hearing the cheers and then quickly turning into disappointment. I think that's one of the most amusing things at at a football match when one the opposite team thinks they have a goal and they get disallowed and it's like oi. So okay, I'm gonna read this comment from Ben Lawrence, and then I'll go back to you. The law states if a keeper has two hands on the ball, he has it under control, and is his ball. It then came away from him when coming down and it hit Tarkowski's arm as well. Yeah, I don't like, I mean, I guess it comes down to whether you think he's in control of the ball, because uh, Max makes a reasonable point. If you, uh, Max and I rarely disagree about much, but... Um, <laughs> uh, it happens. Um, yeah. Um, perhaps my, my spectacles are a little bit more black and white than, 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 than Max and my, my, my metaphorical so, um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, first time this season Steve Reynolds agrees with me. It's gone. We'll have to get a hashtag going. I agree with me. Um, although not on this one. Uh, yeah, look, Max makes a point. If you don't think Tarkovsky has fouled him, and, and all the commentators in this country, including Alan Shearer, surprise, surprise, were raging about the fact that this was disallowed. Um, but if you don't think that Tarkovsky is fouled him, then I suppose you would be less bothered about the ball coming away from Leno. I would submit that Leno is coming to claim the ball right. and someone obstructed. Well, that's what the way I saw it. He was obstructing him. Because you're right. meant to allow a player to play in the ball. And it's the referee's decision whether there's an obstruction at play. And I think what we benefit from is Atwell is some way from the play looking for through bodies and what he sees is Leno's coming to claim the ball he's likely to claim the ball the ball goes away from him under challenge from Tarkovsky and he's given the free kick even before the ball goes in the net right um yeah I mean what what was it would I would I be upset about it if Fulham scored that you bet I'd be upset about it if Fulham scored that goal but yeah I'd as I say to you, it wouldn't have counted anyway, so let's move on to the next technique. Okay, let's move on. Very good point. We talked enough about the disallowed goal. Let's talk about the second half. And, guys, I think we have to start with this, and Max will go to you because I think uh, two things stood out for me in the match. One is obviously the play of Burn Runner. Two were the substitutions. I think that changed the match as well. So let's talk about the first substitution because – uh, Bobby Decadovery comes on to start the second half. And as Dan already said, he thought any one of several players could have come off, but he decided to take William off and put on BDR. What, what did you think about this decision to start the second half? A lot of people I was watching with speculated it had to do with the booking that William got right before halftime. Uh, he also just kind of looked off the pace in general. You know, he, yeah, Dan said he could have taken anyone off. William, though, just wasn't really up to it. I thought William was arguably better than Harry Wilson, though. But Harry Wilson had it. Harry Wilson was quiet, didn't have a very good game. I loved, loved the first touch he had in the second half. When yes. that cross, I mean, that was like, I, that honestly was one of the best parts of the match for me because that is the wing play, which you need when you're playing inverted wingers who want to cut in. It was just such a great, he put Ashley Young back where Ashley Young, I don't know how old Ashley Young is, but he's 38. Actually, he's pushing 40. Yeah. It made him seem like it showed his age. Um, but listen, Bobby Decker over Reed, give him all the credit he deserves because this guy 
he, he, he's loved by the fans, but does not get the credit sometimes. I've been quick to judge him in the past. I think he's been a poor finisher at times. But again, someone like Kearney, he's been at the club now since 2019. It's filmed his four seasons now. Just consistently um, scores goals. He hasn't scored a ton of goals, but the goals he does score just seem so important. Um, and it's great to see him still kicking on the Premier League. So I was glad he came on. And some people thought he maybe should have started. Okay, very good. All right. Dan, over to you. I want to talk about Raul Jimenez because we've talked about him a little bit. You've already talked a little bit about him. So he hits the post. This is actually a really nice shot by Jimenez. And he didn't have much service throughout the match, but he showed his quality, even if it was just this one opportunity. Your thoughts, Dan? Yeah, before we get to that, I'll just say there's nothing wrong with people pushing forward to you, you know, <laughs> what happens here one day? On the football pitch, on the football pitch. Unless you scream. Well, um, yeah, exactly. You know, be careful who you, who you uh, impugn with that, with, with, with that comment. Um, it, it's coming coming like a train towards me. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> you can tell from the hairline. Um, anyway, yes, we were going to talk about Raul Jimenez. Um, yes. I, I love Raul Jimenez, right? I think it's a really good signing. I think, how good is it to have two uh, top-quality Premier League centre-forwards? You've got Mitrovic, you've got Raul Jimenez. I think you can only get better uh, as he gets used to playing for Fulham. You know, we will speculate about whether he will have that chance because the interesting question that follows from the discussion of Raul Jimenez is, well, does he start again? You know, because we didn't really do enough to get him the ball, as I mentioned earlier when we did it's a lovely effort you know he has no right to hit the post from there really and it just indicates his class um to 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 make that opportunity almost for himself um but i i think there's more to come and the very interesting part about this and forgive me for, for introducing this into the discussion is the news that broke last night uh a dormitorio on a free transfer Yes. 2019, the Dama Torre to Raul Jimenez was what kids call a cheat code. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's a, they had a seriously good understanding of the um, That's great. I'm sure that would have played a part in uh, getting, and indeed, um, Torre's comments indicate that he spoke to Raul Jimenez about Fulham before signing, and, and Jimenez was certainly very complimentary. Um, so I think, look, how much we will see of Raul Jimenez is rather like Max's comment about Tom Kearney. You know, we don't know, but it's great. Football is a squad game now. You know, we saw right. that in reference to the previous question. You need a strong squad. That's why Marco has been sort of like, where are my players? You know, come on, give me some players that I can utilize. Um, and so to have Jimenez as an option, because the alternative would have been playing the half-fit Mitrovic or, you know, Carlos Vinicius. And, you know, let's not forget Carlos Vinicius in this equation. Finished right. the season really strongly, you know, and clearly knows where the goal is as well. So you've got three sources of goals. So, we, you know, we're, we're sort of being spoiled now um, by, by the Fulham hierarchy and having a number of centre-forwards who, who might have good cheers for. I mean, you know, this is like um, heaven for me. <laughs> okay, Dan, I'm going to go right back to you because I want to talk about the uh, inclusion in the lineup, I believe, was the 58th minute for uh, Mitro and Andreas come on. And 
I think their addition to bringing in Bobby Decker to overread really changed things for Fulham. I think it's the three of them together. They obviously will talk about the goal coming up. But what I want to talk to you about, because you were there, let's talk about the situation because Mitro goes down, Dan, and indications that I was watching looked like he was coming off and Vinicius was coming on. You had something that you shared with me off air. Share with me on the show now about what you watched. Yeah, so we, we, we're obviously, um, so I don't know if Max or Spins are bits and to watch the game. I don't know. Okay, well, there we are. Um, so we're in the, um, in the corner, in the other corner, um, to where Mitch goes down. Because Fulham were defending the corner at that point. And there's a bit of grappling, and we can see the corner. And Mitrovich, I think, either got his head to it or was like manhandling um, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the incident that, that led to the corner. And he stays on the floor. And we're all like, oh, Mitrovich is time wasting. That's excellent. Um, and uh, then someone said it's a bit early for time wasting. We can win this lap. So they're going to the mile. And then we looked up, and Leno was gesticulating to that Mitro was waving his hands around in the air and saying, I need some treatment. And the referee was getting very slow to, to take control of the situation. And Leno actually did that sort of universal sign for right. a conclusion. Right. And it looked like Mitrovic was coming off because they were, Marco was talking to Vinicius on the sideline. He'd only been on about three minutes by this point, I think. Um, and Everton actually, the PA announcer actually announced the substitution before Mitrovic had gone off the pitch. And he was walking around by the corner flag of the Gladys Street now. And they announced that he was going off. And Mitrovic just sort of like put his hands in the air and was like, well, I'm not going off. I'm coming on. I'm coming back on. And Atwell waited about a minute and a half to allow Mitrovic to come back into the field. I think there's some sort of regulation now. Right. You change in the world, don't, don't quote me on that. Um, but obviously, like the physio came on and treated him, and you know, I, I did say in my, I think in my player rating, that perhaps this was an indication of how scared Everton were of Mitrovic. They wanted him to be substituted as possible, <laughs> because even after he'd come back on, the big screen that during the game lists the lineups had him right. coming on as a substitute and then being substituted. Um, but yeah, it was a, it's a hairy moment, and you may have seen there's a photograph on, uh, yep, right on social media of Mitrovic in a uh, on crutches. In the yes, as it was referenced that in the comments, he did um, leave at Euston Station and, and was on the train on crutches. But I understand this is the same ankle that he's had some problems with for the best part of a year to eighteen months now. That the ankle injury that so perturbed him prior to the World Cup. So I understand that the crutches are somewhat of a precaution because clearly he played the uh, he played the remainder of the game, and I think he will just do light training, if any training, for the next couple of days because he has some experience in managing this injury. Um, there's no doubt if it was serious, they would take him off immediately. Uh, but I'm glad they didn't because we talk about the goal and Mitrovic's role yep. in the second one. Okay, well, let's get to it. And I'm going to give you the honors, Max, to talk about the goal, which comes in the 73rd minute, all right? So I want to get your thoughts. This was all three substitutes being involved 
in the goal. It ends up eventually getting to Bobby Decadovery, but it's set up for Mitro, then goes to Pereira, and then eventually you go to Bobby Decadovery, which is kind of a tap, and it's been looked as a tap, but still he had to put it in the back of the net. Thoughts on the goal? This is where we talk about smash and grab. Yeah, I think this showed Mitro as a complete player. You know, he's not getting on the end of it. He's Great point. Play. He's playing that through ball, perfectly weighted. Uh, Great point. Love the vision. Yeah, and Pereira, credit to him for sliding, getting anything he could on this ball because he knew Bobby was free in the back post. He just had to get it to him. And it really reminded me of the goal we scored against uh, Southampton away when it was Harrison Reed who did that. I think it was to Vinicius who tapped it in. Just the person putting the cross kind of slide tackles it and squibs it across the goal. Uh, but it, it was very satisfying to see that move uh, develop. And it was a goal at the perfect time. Because I think if we score that in the first half or at the start of the second half, maybe Everton have more of a chance to get the fans into it and to mount a comeback. But it was just kind of late enough in the match that it seemed to break their spirits. And they couldn't really mount a proper uh, push to get the equalizer. So great goal, great timing. Delighted for Bobby. Okay. Over to you, Dan. I want to talk about the goal, but I also want to talk about the fact that Bobby Decadover-Reed almost had another chance to score shortly after that, which is great. And I don't know if this was an issue with Fulham's tactics or it was uh, a problem with Everton's defense, but as they were talking about in the broadcast, that Fulham were really trying hard to get these overloads, and they were getting it at the end of the match. So your thoughts about that? Well, a couple of things. The goal was magnificent. Um to match the Sunday up really well. A lovely ball from, from Mitrovic, you know, somebody who's much older than, than I am and there's no problem with, uh, with age, as I keep reiterating on this podcast. Compared it to a pass that Johnny Haynes played in his prime, and there's no bigger compliment to any film player than to be compared to Johnny Haynes and the way that you spread those balls through for an answer and so forth. I would just like to mention, you know, a bit of skill with a big defender converging down on him from Pereira, where he sort of stretches and manages to get that direction and power on the cross to get it to the deck. I'll bring the sensation uh, and get out of box. It's a wonderful moment as a fan at a ground when even as a point player, you know that Bobby Decadovery is going to score as that ball comes across because he's not Ivan Cavalera or Anthony Nocron. <laughs> You know, it's unfair to name those two, but uh, I just did it anyway. Um, you know Bobby's going to tuck it away, and I will just say the scenes, um, there's a couple of photographs and, and, and videos that, that you would have seen of people celebrating deliriously. You know, I nearly got knocked over the, uh, the, the sort of second level at uh, Goodison because some people were very, some young lads were very excited behind me. But, you know, it was fair celebrating the goal, isn't it? Um, and then you're right, like, I, I mind the header and probably didn't uh, pick up on that, Russ, when you were talking about Bobby Deckard over his second chance. Yes. You should, have, you should have headed him, and he actually tries to guide him. But, yeah, in the, so I, I think there's a fitness issue with some of the Everton's players. They look, they certainly look a little tired in the, okay. in, in the second half. Um, I, I certainly think the fatigue of playing that high-intensity football I'm caught up with them and helped us. And you may come to this, but it wasn't just Bobby Deckard over really. We had a really good chance at the far post in the second half. Mitro has one as well, where he, he sort of brings down the ball beautifully, 
she does a little shuffle and Pickford does well, but you could tell from Mitro's reaction is that she's Right. He did. And I'm glad that you brought that up, Dan. But I want to go back and, Max, maybe I'll go to you and talk about the, the situation with the uh, opportunity that I think Fulham deserved the penalty. If we're going to talk about the disallowed goal, right, for Everton, I think this washes it out because I think Fulham should have had a penalty here. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think the, the commentary around it was just totally stupid because they said oh, it, was, it was tucked in. It was tucked How in. different was this from the Willian situation in the FA Cup? It's the same oh, thing. No, no, no. Because Willian was on the goal line. The goal line but this was still a penalty because right. if the arm's tucked in, it wouldn't have hit the elbow. The very fact that it hit the elbow meant it wasn't tucked in. I mean, he, his, his, his arm was out and it was... Yes, it was close range, and I can understand why it wasn't given, perhaps. But right. for me, that's a penalty, and I think we were very unlucky. And it just seems like they didn't even look at it very long. You know, it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, the check's been done, et cetera, it's over. It's like, I thought, I thought that was hard. It was hard done by for us. It seems like we always don't get the rub of the green on these kind of handball situations. Um, I remember what, when uh, it hit Lamina's hand against Tottenham a couple of years ago, our yeah. got disallowed. Like, it just, it's frustrating for us. Uh, but in the end, we didn't need it. And let's be honest, guys. If we are given the penalty, oh, no, we, we wouldn't have scored it. We wouldn't have scored it. There's no guarantee it's a goal. Why did I know he was going to go there, Dan? We know. We know. No, I, I, I do wonder if it was an act of generosity. From the, from the, yeah. From the, we're looking at the wrong way. Like, like just saving us from more heartbreak. I mean, I would have been interested to see who would have taken such a penalty had it. Had it been given, could have been Pereira. Would he have gone there? Would Would Silva have well, actually had? Well, I don't know. I mean, and the other thing I mentioned to you off air, I was very concerned that Mitro was running after the referee in, oh, a, yeah. fashion, in a fashion that, um, yeah, I, I, I we, we couldn't believe it. And I think the, the parallel I mentioned to you just before we came on was there was a penalty in the Brighton Luton fixture yesterday. Where I think a Brighton defender was for his arm in a less unnatural position than Tarkovsky. And Tarkovsky knows what he's doing. He's blocking the shot with his arm. I mean that that look, as I said to you, I don't know what a handball is anymore. So I just appeal for anything. Um, you know, if it vaguely hits, you know, if it just hits your fingernail in the penalty area, that could be a penalty. Who knows? Sure. And, the thing is, when you're watching in the stadium and the game is still going on, you don't know that a VAR, VAR check is there. And neither did the play. Because Everton got a corner. I think that was the next stoppage in play. It was an Everton corner. And you saw sort of five bullet players go around the referee. And then Tim Ream sort of gesticulating them, lads, we've got a corner to play. Come on now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was obviously a penalty, but as Max said, somebody would have probably ballooned it into Liverpool. Um, have been given. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, very good. I do want to mention, because again, I was uh, listening to a lot of commentary from Everton. Yes, they did have a couple of chances to score in the second half. They had several in the first half. They did hit the crossbar from Patterson. Yes, that, that was a missed opportunity. We're full and lucky, potentially there. But in the end, guys, they saw the match out, and that's the bottom line. As we said at the beginning of the show, Fulham get all three points. So let's finish up by talking about man of the match. I find it hard to believe anyone would not pick on Baron Leno. Okay. So let's go with the idea that it's Baron Leno. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. 
who would be an honorable mention? Who should we be talking about besides Baron Leno in this match? Max is thinking he's I could see his thinking cap is on. So maybe I should go to Dan first. Dan, besides Baron Leno, because it's obvious it's Baron Leno as man of the match. Who else stands out? Can I mention someone I'm going to mention in the second half? I want to talk about the improved crossing from from uh, Jedi. I thought that was something to we should be mentioning. I could see a difference with Jedi in the second half. So I want to give him a shout-out. But who else stands out to you? I mean, you're right. I, I think we gave Robinson a seven. Um, and both Robinson and Tete have much improved in the second half. As we, we, we talked about the substitutes were all excellent and played a part in changing the game. I'd even say Sasalukic had a really good second half, you know, in terms of playing that role much more effectively than he's than he done in the, in the first half. Wilson was much improved in the second half. Max has already mentioned what a great uh, touching, you know, first touch of the second half. And sort of, that, was a, that was like a wow moment. Um, certainly uh, understand. And even if Diop and Ream weren't, um, weren't exceptional, they, you know, they improved. They headed everything away. Um, uh, and of course, you've got Bobby Deckard over Reed, as, as, as we've already, already mentioned, second right. to Leno, indeed, Stephen. You know, um, but I, I, I would just. Sorry, I muted myself. It was a classical, classical away performance, and therefore they all deserve credit. You know, it was, okay. a team, it was a team performance. So you've almost got to give everyone else a mark more than you would have done if you're right. Okay, so you're saying a team effort. How about you, Max? Besides, we talk about Baron Leno. That's the obvious one. Who would be an alternative man of the match? Yeah, I think I think it has to be Bobby. Alternative just for being in the right place at the right time to put that in the back of the net and not getting his head down because he wasn't starting, which he probably expected to start. And he just has a fantastic attitude every time he steps on the pitch. I love that about him. Okay, great. I agree with that. I just wanted to mention Jedi because I've been so hard on him, Dan, with his crossing. I just noticed a little bit of difference. And I, I think he's worked on it over the summer, so I wanted to give him a little credit. But I'm glad that we're focusing also on Bobby Decadover. Reed. He gets really that's... sensitive about people criticizing his crossing. As a, as a patriot and a strong American supporter, you should really be more... Um, more more encouraging okay okay thanks dan thank you think about that for your next show maybe you should devote <laughs> it entirely to your love of anthony robinson okay very good all right well listen we've been going for a long time so we should wrap this up before we go i want to get final thoughts first from mr cohen final thoughts before we go final thought is as dan said we don't start the premier league season very often with winning a match so let's kind of sink let this sink in. Although the last time we did win a match at the start of the season was our relegation year under Martin Newell and Randy Muhlenstein and Felix McGatt. So let's just hope this season doesn't end like that one. Okay. Very good. Mr. Crawford, final thoughts. I think I've extended this podcast long enough. I'm just delighted that we, uh, we've like we won Max, uh, Max and Russ. I'm delighted to have the opportunity to, to come on and, and talk about Fulham with you as well. Oh, it's been great. I really enjoyed doing the show with the two of you. It's been wonderful. And I want to mention this. Please do check out the Green Pole podcast. It's a wonderful podcast that Dan does, Alan Druitt does, and then 
I am forgetting the Serbian. Why am I Oscar? Oh, there was a goal yeah, that I saved myself. Like a Serbian, so that's why you don't think he's a Serbian. But he's very proud of his faux Serbian run. Okay, so I almost pulled off. A, I really, I saved myself in the end. But and, it's a and, and Hemian.com, which is the one-stop shop for all Fulham news, the best site that covers it tremendously. Okay, thanks Anything for jumping you in. Have. You didn't give me a chance to go there. I, to, I, I, I couldn't control myself. Okay. Okay, very good. I'm glad that you mentioned Hemian.com. It is excellent. And, the texts uh, are in the post, boys. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right. Well, let's finish up this show. For Max Cohen and Dan Crawford from Hamian.com and the Green Pole Podcast, along with Max Cohen on the Green Pole Podcast, my name's Russ Cohen. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Cottage Talk, part of the TalkSport Fan Network. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.